Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So they say that since the players are on the clock, why don't the players just comply with the ruling? Because I don't want, when I go into Nordstrom's, I don't want to see somebody with a uh, McCain or Obama campaign button on because they're on the clock. But the problem with that analogy is if you have a team name that is politicized and named after a racial slur for the indigenous people of this country, you're already throwing politics in my face. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, wow, my head is spinning. We're talking NFL, we're talking anthem protests, we're talking the pardon of Jack Johnson, we're talking Sterling Brown of the Milwaukee Bucks, whose video of being tased by the Milwaukee Police Department went viral. We are talking about so much. And our guest this week to help us figure this out is the great Bijan Bain, author of the book Elgin Baylor, The Man Who Changed Basketball. But he is somebody who is an absolutely spot-on commentator about things happening in the here and now as well. We're going to touch on all those subjects with him. But we also have our Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down Award and so many nominees for this week. We also have Kaepernick Watch and so much more. But first, Bijan Bain. So let me break down the policy first for my audience and then ask you your thoughts. Uh, the NFL's incoherent mess of an anthem policy now states that players must show a proper respect for the anthem on the field. Refusal to do so will result in fines being levied against the team, and then teams then have the option of levying fines against players, which could be up to a month without salary or it could get progressively worse. Players have the option of staying inside the locker room to as a form of protest that nobody sees if they like. Okay, Bijan, what does it say about the NFL that they would adopt this policy? What are your immediate response? Well, this wasn't my immediate response, but now that we're a day or two removed from it, uh, one, one of my thoughts is that it's short-sighted to even have the policy based on the way that the protests were not really all that prominent in the the news by the time of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So there wasn't really much of anything to um, Mm -hmm. return the focus to the game because people's focus was returned to the game because they had just had the draft and a lot of free agents have been signed. But my first reaction to it was that it's another move to um, silence the players' 
First Amendment rights and to uh, mm-hmm. appease 45 because 45 is only using this issue as fresh meat for its base and also um, that in in doing so, the owners are appeasing someone who has never himself expressed any uh, respect for the military and that has taken forms such as uh, trolling a Gold Star family or saying that the widow of a soldier killed in Niger is lying or saying that John McCain is not a hero or expressing the fact when he was on the campaign trail that he's smarter than the generals. That That's uh, certainly an immediate reaction. You, 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 the first thing you said is really interesting to me because did the NFL just create a controversy out of whole cloth, like one that didn't even need to exist? Like how bad would it have been if they had just said, particularly given that so few players are still taking a knee at this point, how bad would they have been said, yeah, we're just going to keep our existing policy and continue to work with the NFL Players Association and, and the Players Coalition to help players express uh, the, their beliefs towards social justice and racial um, equity and fairness in the criminal justice system, blah, blah, blah. I mean, wouldn't that have just been the smarter move in this case instead of creating something that's now actually you know, like putting out a fire with kerosene? Especially in mid-May or, or the third week of May because – we're approaching the Stanley Cup Finals. We're approaching the NBA Finals. We're in the midst of a triple crown run in, in, in thoroughbred racing. They're not in the headlines. There was no immediate need to do this. And then, you know, obviously they lied about the unanimity of the vote because the Raiders and the 49ers abstained. So in doing and, and so... The owner they, of, and the owner of the Jets has said that he'll pay for any fines. <laughs> Yeah, Woody Johnson. So in doing so, all, they, all, they, all they've done is created an atmosphere in which more fans are going to be turned off, not, not just on the side, not just the fan base that they're thinking of that would have been turned mm-hmm. off by the peaceful protest, but all fans. And players are going to think of creative ways to express themselves that, that may not take place inside the locker room. It may take place when they score a touchdown or at other points during the game or pregame. Mm. It's funny you mentioned the players there because I have right in front of me this quote from Dwayne Smoot of the Jaguars who said, freedom of speech does not exist for NFL players now. This is his reaction. We get fined for protesting for something we believe in. Fine me, all caps. You can't change my opinion and can't stop my protest. I have a right as an American to protest when I feel there is injustice in this country. I mean, you had other players like Torrey Smith and Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long speak out against the policy. Doug Baldwin called Donald Trump an idiot. Uh, do, do you think this is just going to spur more player revolt as opposed to what it, what was happening, which was diminishing player revolt? Yes, and I think in part because it was done, or to your point, it was unwise because I think going into the playoffs, there were about seven people among the the 30, 32-odd teams that were still kneeling. And it's not even about how many people were still kneeling, but it gives people months to develop their strategies on and off the field. And also the Players Association and the players' thoughts on this were not taken into account when this um, policy was reached. Mm. Yeah, this, this is really something to me. And where is Colin Kaepernick in all of this? I mean, you have this collusion case that's also... Uh, just simmering um, and gaining more steam from what we hear by the week in terms of the evidence that they're uncovering 
while the NFL is saying that players no longer have the right to protest. I mean, I just think the look of the league for the league uh, is terrible, and it doesn't even appease 45 because he's a bully, and he moves from saying uh, everybody should have to stand or they get fired to saying everybody should have to stand or maybe they shouldn't live in this country. Well, where where Kaepernick is in this is that several quarterbacks have been signed in free agency and off the street and people like Robert Griffin III and others whose body of work doesn't approach his uh, since he has not been signed. And also Eric Reed, who's a pro bowler, hasn't been signed. So the collusion case, if people are basing it on what a person's last season is like, and they're using the excuse that Ka- uh, Kaepernick's last season was uh, not one of his strongest, even though he wasn't playing with anybody, because some of the some of and the he still more had 16, yeah, and he still had 16 touchdowns and only four picks and ran for a ton of yards, even with just a terrible team around him. Right, even though uh, three players on the defense had resigned because, of, uh, because they wanted to be able to walk and talk when they were uh, 45 yeah. or 50 years old. Um, but even given all that, uh, people have been signed to have inferior bodies of work. So where that leads him is, first of all, he said he wasn't going to kneel anymore anyway. So that's not a reason for not picking him up, especially given all the quarterback injuries last last season. And if you look at the draft, I think uh, four of the first ten players that were taken were drafted were quarterbacks. So there was no mm-hmm. need for quarterbacks. And people said, well, the reason nobody's signing Kaepernick is we re- nobody really needs any quarterbacks. Well, Baker Mayfield was the first player taken. He probably wasn't even the best quarterback in the draft. Now, you're obviously very knowledgeable about football, um, and this is something I'm wrestling with. I mean, given this anthem policy, given the treatment of Kaepernick, where are you on the boycott question? In terms of, like, of on just a personal, well, or just on next- a personal level. Like, are, can you see a point where you're just like, I, I've had it with this league. I'm not going to patronize them anymore? I didn't really access a whole lot of it last year, to be honest with you. And it was, it was, it was before this uh, ruling it was just it just seemed a little hypocritical not just because of that but because the policy before this policy that was uh, decided upon this week in, including the contemplation of the 15-yard penalty which is ridiculous because if both teams have a player kneeling then the penalty is offset there was also right. my, there was also and this this has even changed this year there's also my sense that these things are not uh, weighed evenly with things like um, players who committed domestic violence, um, drug abuse, uh, other other forms of uh, allegations of viol- violations of things which are actually illegal. And um, now that we've had the revelation of the Washington teams using cheerleaders on a junket to, uh, to date, uh, sponsors, sponsors sponsors. and and wealthy donors and ticket holders on a junket whom they did not know and, and pose for a calendar shoot, which is not a topless shoot topless in front of said donors during this junket. And, you know, with, without any knowledge that they were going to have to do this beforehand and collecting their passports, at the hotel beforehand oh. and, and inhibiting their freedom of movement. The fact that that isn't being penalized or that that team's team name isn't being penalized just makes me think uh, 
even more poorly of, of, of decisions such as the decision that was made to uh, have this, this uh, peaceful protest policy to appease 45. Well, it's just like if you're going to have sports as a form of escape, you can't ha- organize your league the way Roger Goodell has done in a way that makes you feel like you need to shower in scalding hot water and scrub your skin with steel wool afterwards just to get the stink off. I'm just saying. Um, I did want to ask you, Bijan, you, you're the author of the book Elgin Baylor, The Man Who Changed Basketball, and it's a terrific book, and a lot of folks Thank don't you. know Baylor's. Oh, it's fantastic. And I, I saw one interview where you said you, you wrote it because you wanted to read it because there wasn't this kind of history of Elgin Baylor. And a lot of folks don't know about his political history. I would love to know what you think the Elgin Baylor of 1960 would say about the NFL and their current policies. Well, although it wasn't widely known at the time because of uh, isolated incident, but, but the NBA uh, didn't occupy anywhere near the media uh, focus in 1960 that the NFL does now, much to your point in, in your excellent uh, biography of Jim Brown, which I'm still consuming, where you say when Paul Brown integrated the Browns when they moved from the AFC into the NFL, didn't occupy much of the uh, media glare because uh, baseball was the national pastime when Robinson integrated baseball. I mean, even when Kenny Washington was signed, didn't uh, football didn't resonate with people the way that baseball did back then. Bill but, Willis, Rudy, Woody Strode, it just wasn't, uh, it didn't register. No, it wasn't something where he was going to be in the, they were going to be in the national spotlight every day and the press was going to be following them. But the Baylor of 60 had, uh, to not much fanfare, but to some uh, brief fanfare in 1959 as a rookie a year prior had sat out a game because the Lakers were playing an exhibition game in Charleston to showcase Hot Rod Hunley, who was a West Virginia alum, was on the team. And Bob Short, the owner, had been under the impression that all the Lakers would be able to stay in the same hotel. When they arrived, they weren't. And the black players, uh, Alex Blue Ellis, Ed Fleming, and, and Baylor, were told they weren't going to be welcome at, at that hotel. So when the desk clerk told them that, which surprised Baylor and surprised the team captain, Vern Mickelson, who called Bob Short and told him about this uh, mix-up. Later that evening, the players went out and they also couldn't find something to eat in Charleston at, at a diner. Uh, the restaurant was segregated and wouldn't feed them. So... Baylor stewed for a while and decided that he wasn't going to play in this game. This wasn't an exhibition to showcase Hot Rod Hunley. It was a regular season game in mid-January. So Baylor sat out the game. So in the locker room before the game, Hot Rod Hunley is trying to see it from Baylor's point of view, which is very difficult in 1959. And Baylor's a rookie, so there's a lot on the line. And so Hunley says, well, could you just dress out? I mean, I know this means a lot to you, and I know it's hypocritical, but it's also reflecting on me because I'm the reason we're playing in West Virginia tonight in the first place. He said, you know, could you just dress out, you know, because they were roommates and Baylor said, no, Rod, I really couldn't do that. in in good conscience, because I'm not an animal to be let out of a cage to put on a show for people. So I think he would have thought of this, that, that, that the owners, if you look at the more mature Elgin Baylor in 1964 and the, uh, threatened strike before the 64 All-Star game when the players were lobbying for things like a pension. Imagine that. 
and the players threatened not to play in the game a half hour before it was going to be aired nationally on ABC. And this is when the NBA didn't have a contract with ABC. So a lot was riding on how well this, uh, this broadcast did, the ratings and things like that. Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, Jerry West, sort of a golden age. They're still, the owners are still negotiating with the players to come out of the respective locker rooms, East and West, and play in this game. And when Baylor found out that Bob Short was one of the owners outside the locker room shouting, if my guys are in there, meaning Weston Baylor, and they don't come out, they're going to be fired. And Baylor uh, used uh, some profanity and said uh, to the security guard outside the room, uh, tell Bob Short to go have sex with himself. So Mm. he would have viewed this as, much like you and I do, and much as many of the fans do, and, and a lot of the forward think or enlightened media, that it's not the owner's place to uh, depoliticize or defang the players, especially in the NFL, where it's just a way of uh, silencing the black body or at least exploiting the black body for the purposes of financial gain. But when the black body wants to express its pain and its uh, dissatisfaction with the way that people have been killed or beaten, unarmed people have been killed or beaten by police, then really you have no use for that black body. It's just sort of shut up and pass or shut up and run back kicks. And that and that is wow. and that's what they think the majority of their fan base want. It's not just that they're that they're, that they're throwing a bone to um the person who's illegally occupying the White House because mm-hmm. the election was stolen and who also hates the military. <laughs> but they're also throwing a bone to what they assume is the philosophy and the patriotism of their fan base when in, when in fact, as, as you well know and your listeners know, peaceful protest is not a sign of anti-patriotism. And, I mean, a lot of these players, Michael Bennett, a lot of these players have you know, military tradition in their families. No, that's right. So we can say unequivocally that Elgin Baylor would say that this NFL policy around the anthem is absolute garbage, that it treats players like animals in a cage to be let out only for the entertainment of others, and he would be that kind of a voice. Well, if you look at the senior Elgin Baylor, he's the only executive ever to sue his owner for racism. That's right. Donald Sterling. So if you look at the two Donalds and you look at the way Baylor viewed Sterling, whom he worked for directly. <laughs> the two Donalds. <laughs> yeah, they have a lot in common, especially their creepiness about uh, about the opposite sex. I mean, they have a lot in common. Real estate development, they both suit for housing mm-hmm. Slum lords. Yep. Which which brings us to something that the uh, the one that's occupying the White House, even though he didn't win the election, even though the election was rigged, which he told us. Yeah, it was he gave, it, he gave us fair warning. He, yeah, he just didn't no, that's say right. which side was rigging. He, he does a lot of projection, especially around... Oh, he's got a master's class. In, he could teach a master's class in projection. Yeah, but it's intriguing that he would forgive uh, a dead black body for, uh, for Jack Johnson's... Uh, whatever you think of, of... I mean, Jack Johnson wasn't really highly politicized, but he was very rebellious and independent and controversial and and he was a symbol and he was a symbol of resistance and rebellion even if he wasn't a Kaepernick or Michael Bennett-esque figure speaking about it 
Oh, just just beating a, a white heavyweight uh, contender or uh, dating white women, uh, having his own, you know, driving the kind of cars that he drove, uh, being brash. Muhammad Ali even said 50 years later, he said, this guy is me times times the fact that there was lynching going on back then and he could have been lynched. So I view this I view this pardon of Jack Johnson as just presidential trolling. Well, it's presidential trolling time to silence the NFL debate by by pardoning a dead person, as is often done with Ali, as is often done with Dr. King, using the black body of somebody that can no longer speak for themselves to shout at progressives, um, look what Muhammad Ali said, or look what Dr. King said about this issue, or Dr. King was in the GOP, or, you know, I pardon Jack Johnson, so I don't hate black people. So shut up, current black player. Uh, current black player, you should leave the country if you don't like it. Uh, I will use, I will time my partner Jack Johnson to to silence uh, whatever you're saying about me being a bigot on this issue. Isn't some of this a backhanded credit for the political athlete because it shows how much currency they still have as people try to marginalize their voices? That you have the president of the United States, and yes, I'll put a big asterisk by the word P in president, but you have the president of the United States needing to pardon Jack Johnson uh, just because he understands like what a threat to his power political athletes are? Yeah, and I think these athletes should really think between now and preseason in the NFL of how they're going to wield this power because they're 70% of the black player at least. Uh, is seventy percent of the uh, of the playing space or the talent pool. Uh, I, I admire what Chris Long has has done and has said, uh, not just on this but on other issues. I wish more people that were not black, uh, Samoan, white, what have mm-hmm. you, would be a little bit more uh, vocal on some of these issues uh, as Chris Long has 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 uh, has been. But if you look at forty five. 45 is actually the Jim Jeffries of politics. He's a person who was washed up and who had never run for political office, never expressed any interest in helping people in a public way, mayor, governor, uh, mayor of New York, any of those things like a Michael Bloomberg, uh, who's also a billionaire but ran for mayor. And all of a sudden, after a black president had been uh, two-term president, got interested in running for president to erase everything politically that that person had done. Jim Jeffries was a fighter who was minding his business, farming, hadn't been heavyweight champ for years, was probably 50 pounds overweight. And the difference is, of course, he was drafted by the media to be a white hope, but he was drafted because, uh, to your point, Jack Johnson was so offensive to the mainstream and outspoken, and he was beating everyone, and he was... Uh, dating and marrying white women. He was also probably consorting with white prostitutes. So he had to be taken down or not. So so it's ironic that 45 would pardon Johnson when actually 45 is the Jim Jeffries of politics and he's a white hope to appease the masses and to take down all of the uh, immigration policies, the Iran policy, uh, the environmental policies of his predecessor. Damn. So Donald Trump is the Jim Jeffries of our time. If only there was a Jack Johnson to knock him out of the ring, because Jim Jeffries got humble mighty quick after that fight. 
after Johnson well, vanquished him. He's like, I shouldn't have even have been in there. Well, again, I think that if the uh, the Malcolm Jenkins is, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Eric Reed being signed, but I think if the players who are current and not dead like Jack Johnson and not dead like uh, our idol Muhammad Ali can decide how they're going to strategize around this and other issues, even the cheerleader issue. I'd like to hear them say more about that. Mm -hmm. I like them here. I'd like to hear them say more about the fact that if people want the fans to be able to not have politics intrude on the game, which is of course hypocritical if you're going to have flyovers and flag unfurlings and things like that. But let's say that you don't want fans to be able to, the brand is the game and the players are at work and they're on the clock. So the analogy that some people might give, I'm just making my own up for, for the purposes of, of this segment. The analogy that a lot of people might give is similar to if you're at McDonald's, you don't want to see somebody who's behind the counter of McDonald's wearing an armband that says uh, free Palestine or an armband that says uh, free Soviet jewelry or, um, you know, uh, white power or something like that because they're on the clock or somebody that's working in Bally's gym. So they say that since the players are on the clock and they're the brand and their stances affect ratings and their stances affect the brand, that if the NFL is willing to meet with them around the issue of social injustice and, and work out other resolutions that can be expressed not during pregame or not during the games, why don't the players just comply with the ruling? Because I don't want, when I go into Nordstrom's, I don't want to see somebody with a uh, McCain or Obama campaign button on because they're on the clock. But the problem with that analogy is if you have a team name that is politicized and named after a racial slur for the indigenous people of this country, you're already throwing politics in my face. Absolutely. I mean, the corporatism, patriotism, militarism. And also, if, if you work at McDonald's, you don't have to say the national anthem before you start your shift. <laughs> well, that's another thing. I mean, at the, at the workplace of all the fans, yeah, at the workplace of all, all the other fans, they don't unfurl the flag before every game and, and have a, a, a national anthem ceremony in the mm -hmm. first place. But again, um, if I'm a fan and I'm a consumer and I want to enjoy the brand without distractions and without politics being thrown in my face, then you shouldn't have a team named after a racial slur because that might offend my sensibilities. But when people have said that their sensibilities have been offended by that, Daniel Snyder has said, I don't care about that. So you just told me you don't care about people's sensibilities being offended. But no, your, 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 point, your point is very well taken. Hey, if you were advising players, what would you have them do? You said several times players need to strategize over the summer. You've spoken about the issues that you'd like to see players work on. What would you have them do? Would you have them stay in the locker room like both both teams before uh, and then issue statements? Would you have them take a knee anyway and risk fines? What? Where would you take it? Well, it wouldn't be so much what I would advise each individual player to do because they have to follow the dictates of their own conscience, just like uh, Jim Brown and Lou Alcindor and Willie Davis and Jim Shorter and Walter Beach discovered when they met with Ali in that uh, famed summit in Cleveland that, you know, you have to follow the dictates of your conscience, your lifestyle, your family, your upbringing, uh, your political leanings. So, so it wouldn't be a, a blanket thing because I'm not, I'm not like uh, some of these owners. My thing would be each person has to decide one, 
how do we want to react to the fact that we're being used as fodder for a political base? Two, how do we want to frame our message? Because we know that there are fans on both sides of the peaceful protest issue. It's not a one-sided issue like the owners feel that it is. And three, given the new policy, what's, what, is, what am I going to do and what are the other 40-odd people in my locker room going to do? So we've got the whole preseason to figure this out. So that can take on a lot of forms because there's a lot of moving parts. But I would say that they need to start getting their heads around it because you don't want the season from September through January to be one where you're being dangled as a political tool by people who don't have your best interests at heart. We're going into a midterm, a very, very important midterm election to your point about uh, a Jack Johnson to take down Jim Jeffries. That's one of the, the ways to take down at least the House and the Senate that that always uh, <laughs> normalizes the Jim Jeffries figure and, and, and goes along with pretty much everything that he does, even though a lot of it is not very Republican. Uh, they have to decide, look, you know, we're, we're kind of symbolic. We're symbolic for the people that support Colin and Ed Reed, and we're symbolic for the people that don't and everybody in between. But we're the ones that are affected most by these policies. So what do we want to say about social justice? What do we want to say about our freedom of speech? And what do we want to say about other, other staff and, and non-staff and independent workers and independent contractors, such as cheerleaders, who also come under the purview of the NFL? Well, Bajan Bain, thank you so much for your time. You've given us so much to think about. I want to have you on um, in a few months to talk about some of the anniversaries in 2018. Uh, you know, both 20-year, 50-year. That sounds great. I mean, because there's so much that's 10-year, because there's 20-year, so, there's so much happening that I think we want to acknowledge that 2018 gives us a chance to acknowledge. But before I let you go, something I ask every guest on the show is uh, what kind of music you're listening to these days, uh, whether it's to work, whether it's to work out. What is it that's animating you? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Uh these days, just to sort of uh, do a lot of uh, self-care, I listen to a lot of music from the uh, early to mid-60s to mid-70s uh, because it, it just reminds me of a time when um, everybody didn't do things for, for partisan reasons. And although there was a lot of polarization, we had come out of a period where there had been the worst polarization and we were, we were seemingly moving toward a period where people were accepted on, you know, sort of on their merit and everything wasn't based on whether somebody was a Mexican or whether somebody was in a car at a red light and, and they appeared as if they were Asian. So the person decided that they don't, that they don't belong in this country. So I listened to a lot of that. Uh, one interesting anniversary, although I know we're only uh, taping today is, the anniversary of the Ali Liston rematch in Lewiston, Maine. So I didn't want to note that because it's, uh, it's a, it, w it was a hallmark for reasons that it shouldn't be a hallmark. Not just the phantom punch, but it, but it's such a, it, I think that fight was supposed to be in Boston and it's such an anomaly that it was even in Lewiston, Maine. Exactly. It was attended by less than 20, 2,500 people, which is the fewest at a heavyweight title fight in history because of, uh, 
sort of the aftermath of the assassination of Malcolm X and the yep. anti-Islamic fervor that was in the air then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a great book that goes through that is uh, The Sound and the Fury, which is a book ostensibly about Cosell and Ali, but it tells the Lewiston story in a way that's very crystal clear. I recommend that by Dave Kindred. Hey, Bijan Bain, thank you so much for joining us on the Edge of Sports podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you having me again, Dave, and I look forward to talking to you later in the summer. We'll be back right after this, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now I've got some choice words about Donald Trump, protesting NFL players, and Jack Johnson. Okay, look, a mere few hours after Fox News aired footage of President Trump declaring that NFL players who protest racism during the national anthem should, quote, maybe find another country in which to live, he issued a long-sought presidential pardon for legendary boxer Jack Johnson, the first world black heavyweight boxing champ. If we weren't so used to our national affliction of executive branch mental overload by now, this would be a case of race-baiting whiplash. NFL players have risked their jobs, lost sponsorships, and received death threats by using the space of the national anthem to raise awareness about police violence and racial inequity, two issues that Trump has never discussed other than to fan their flames. Jack Johnson was not an outspoken political athlete in the posture of a Colin Kaepernick or Michael Bennett, but he was a figure of profound symbolic and historic importance. As the first black heavyweight champion, he used the ring as his political stage and showed the world that myths about white supremacy were just that. Outside of the ring, Johnson was flashy, unapologetically a dandy, and openly consorted with white women. He was also never shy about telling those who tried to tear him down that they could kiss his behind. Johnson was a figure of hope and resistance, whose name inspired tall tales and songs from the fields where sharecroppers toiled to the choruses of chain gangs. This made him a dangerous man at a time when white supremacist ideas ruled the land and lynchings were a normalized reality. When the powers that be tried to humiliate him by bringing great white hope former champion Jim Jeffries out of retirement to humble Johnson, the Galveston giant dashed those racialized dreams with his fists. So in 1913, Johnson was convicted by an all-white jury under the Mann Act on charges of transporting a white woman named Lucille Cameron across state lines, quote, for immoral purposes. In the ensuing months, Johnson married Cameron, but the case was pursued until Johnson was forced to flee the country. He later returned to serve out his sentence. His true crime was not violating the Mann Act, but what W.E.B. Du Bois called his unforgivable blackness. Or as Johnson said, 
The search for the white hope not having been successful, prejudices were being piled up against me, and certain unfair persons, piqued because I was champion, decided if they could not get me one way, they would another. It was Johnson's unforgivable, unapologetic blackness that made him an easy scapegoat for the racist politicians of the day. They painted him as somebody who was ungrateful for all that this country had given him. They said he did not deserve to make a living. He was told he should just shut up and go away. Does that sound familiar? There is little doubt that if Trump was alive in Jack Johnson's day, he would have been one of his tormentors, not his savior. That's what makes this pardon such cheap political theater. This isn't justice, it's trolling. Trump has made it his mission to attack NFL players for being thoughtful, political, and outspoken during these perilous times. They are brave in their actions. His response, using the presidential pulpit to bray that they are sons of bitches, calling for them to be fired and now even deported, says so much more about his character than his pardon of Johnson does. The pardon of Jack Johnson is long overdue, but coming from this president, Coming from a person who has a demonstrable 40-year record of racist practices in his professional and now political life, coming from somebody who uses political black athletes as punching bags to fire up his base, given Trump's gutter attacks on this current generation of activist athletes, there is little doubt that if Johnson was alive, he would tell Donald Trump where he could stick his pardon. Now it's time for the Just Stand Up Award. Just stand up and just sit your ass down. The Just Stand Up Award this week has to go to Sterling Brown, a 22-year-old basketball player for the Milwaukee Bucks, who made national news this week when a video of him being tased and beaten by Milwaukee police officers over a parking space uh, went absolutely viral. Well, after the report went public, Sterling Brown issued a statement, and it is so beautiful. It so clearly demonstrates that he understands his role as an activist athlete, as someone who can raise awareness, that I just have to read the whole statement from Sterling Brown because it truly is something special. So here are the words of Sterling Brown, this week's winner of the Just Stand Up Award. My experience in January with the Milwaukee Police Department was wrong and shouldn't happen to anybody. What should have been a simple parking ticket turned into an attempt at police intimidation, followed by the unlawful use of physical force, including being handcuffed and tased and then unlawfully booked. This experience with the Milwaukee Police Department has forced me to stand up and tell my story so that I can help prevent these injustices from happening in the future. Situations like mine and worse happen every day in the black community. Being a voice and a face for people who won't be heard and don't have the same platform as I have is a responsibility I take seriously. God, this statement is so amazing. I'm speaking for Dontre Hamilton of Milwaukee, Laquan McDonald of Chicago, Stefan Clark of Sacramento, Eric Garner of New York, and the list goes on. These people aren't able to speak anymore because of unjust actions by those who are supposed to serve and protect the people. The common denominator in all these situations has been racism towards the minority community, the abuse of power, and the lack of accountability for officers involved. The lack of repercussions for the police officers involved in so many of these cases is offensive. This is a slap in the face to the victims' families and communities. Black men shouldn't have to have their guard up and instantly be on the defensive when seeing a police officer. But it's our reality and a real problem. There must be mutual respect, and both sides have to figure out how to accomplish this. There can be no easy solutions to this problem. 
but there are strides that can be made to create change. I will do my part in helping to prevent similar incidents from happening to the minority community in the future. This is bigger than me. My family, friends, legal team, Priority Sports, Milwaukee Bucks, the black community, and the communities of all who stand against injustice plan to continue the fight. Peaceful support to ensure no further damage to our community is the only way to respond. I know many of you will share my anger and frustration, but for our community to progress and grow, we need to build on what we already have and not destroy it. I will take legal action against the Milwaukee Police Department to continue forcing change in our community. That's Sterling Brown. And wow, mic drop. But before we fully drop that mic, another Just Stand Up Award Junior Award to the Milwaukee Bucks for putting out their own statement in support of Sterling Brown where they said, The abuse and intimidation that Sterling experienced at the hands of Milwaukee police was shameful and inexcusable. Sterling has our full support as he shares his story and takes action to provide accountability. This is terrific. They write, racial biases and abuses of power must not be ignored. That's the Milwaukee Bucks. And the contrast with the National Football League could not be more extreme. The Just Sit Your Ass Down Award. Sit your ass down. I mean, where do you go? I mean, you could give it to Donald Trump for saying, I don't think people should be staying in the locker rooms. You have to stand proudly for the national anthem or you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be in the country. I mean, part of me thinks that he was recently dropped on his head. And then part of me just realizes that This is what happens with bullies. The NFL, their stupidest decision in this entire incoherent mess of a new anthem policy, the stupidest thing they did was think that they could appease Donald Trump. There is no appeasing a bully. They will always ask for more. But Donald Trump, I think we all need to say to you, please take all the seats and sit your ass down. Hey everybody, this is Dave Zirin from the Edge of Sports Podcast. We are trying to add all kinds of bells and whistles to this pod. To do that, we need more folks who can sustain its existence. Go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. That is where you'll find us. If you become a patron, you'll see you get all kinds of little treats. But it's so important that people help us sustain and do the work. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. And you can give five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, or if you're feeling mighty generous, a hell of a lot more than that. And all of that helps us do the kind of work that we're trying to do on the regular. Patreon.com slash Edge of Sports Pod. And now back to the broadcast. And now for the time of the show this week that we call Kaepernick Watch about the latest comings and goings with Colin Kaepernick. Look, this is not a drill. Collusion writ large. News coming out from the collusion arbitration case of Colin Kaepernick that many executives in the league put out the word that they believed Colin Kaepernick to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Not a backup, not a fringe, but a starting quarterback. What this does is it gives lie to all the news reports you got from leaked uh, executives, or from executives that were leaking this news to access merchants in the media. 
like Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, who put out, Colin Kaepernick should not be a starting quarterback, period. That's the word from league executives. That actually wasn't the word from league executives. That was just the public story that they were trying to leak out to discredit Colin Kaepernick. That is huge news for Kaepernick's collusion case, and this thing is going, and it is going strong. I hope Colin Kaepernick bankrupts the National Football League. I'm serious. I am After this anthem policy thing, I am so done with this league. May Colin Kaepernick cause them so much pain in their wallet that he gets to start his own football league that isn't built around the politics of silencing labor and white supremacy. We need a new league. Well, that's all this week for the Edge of Sports Podcast. What a crazy week. Thank you so much to my producers of this pod. Thank you so much to everybody out there listening. Please support the show on Patreon. If you can, go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Thank you to my sponsors also at The Nation Magazine. You can also reach me, Dave Zirin. If you have any suggestions for who should get the Just Stand Up or Just Sit Your Ass Down award, email me at edgeofsports at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at edgeofsports. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.